This episode is sponsored by ManaCrest, a new digital and physical trading card game live on Kickstarter right now. ManaCrest will be releasing in quarter one of 2020 on Android, iOS, Mac, and Windows, and of course, on paper. Check out the Kickstarter today at manacrest.com slash kickstarter. And please, if you do back this program, please put Sanctimonious in the show notes so they know that we sent you. And thank you again to ManaCrest for sponsoring this podcast. Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Ah, another week, another Jakeless Sanctimonious podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Dan, the ever loyal co host, now sitting in the number one chair. Bringing in my own number two, who's actually my number one, because this guy dominates me constantly on TCO. Say hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. And he nails that every time. Fellow dad, fellow dad joker. Gotta, let's, gotta let's do, it. do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first off, um, I guess quick announcement. Uh, I just looked at our like last three episodes. We're at a, over a thousand downloads per episode. That is mind boggling. Thank you. That's thank nice, you, man. Thank you, everybody that's listening and downloading. I don't know if like people out there are like downloading it five or six times to boost our numbers, but if that's what you're doing, keep doing it. It makes me feel real nice. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that. Gotta get that ego boost. I mean, I mean, it's all you know, about I, like delete it and re-download it like three or four times. But no, yeah, no, I don't do that. Just get your mom. Your mom's just <laughs> sitting there clicking download over and over get the again. Book club. Get the. No, and that was really cool. Thank you, Lady Aurora, for sharing your uh, Spotify and. Uh, sitting in the number one spot so i guess it's a good thing we're super chatty and our podcast is longer than everybody else's so we showed up in that number one spot so that was really cool we tweeted that out um so yeah thank you everybody in this you know end of the year like we just started this thing like god i don't even remember like may april may somewhere in there and uh, have come this far in so little time like it's pretty amazing so thank you everybody for listening really appreciate you thank you alex for coming on and filling in while jake is in uh hardcore finals mode right now oh yeah. yeah always glad to always glad to jump 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 in perfect so yeah let's let's get it started inspiration all right alex you're the guest inspire us um i think that i have really been uh inspired by um all the all the strat all the off the wall strategies that are kind of coming bubbling up to the surface. Um, I uh, I got I played against a deck online that was a like a double golden spiral Cincinnatus Rex thing, and that was that was real gross. Yeah. Um, and I but I I didn't I was like I'm not even mad right now because this is so cool that this is happening. Um, and uh, I think that I've just been really inspired by. Um, the just the variety of the of the the decks that i'm seeing out there and that i'm seeing people pilot it's like there's a lot of even um right before this i was watching um the packs uh you know the packs arc uh packs unplugged archon stream and just seeing the decks that people 
um, chose to pilot for, you know, Vault, Vault Tour, Archon, and seeing the variety there has been um, really, I think, really encouraging to me about the health of the game and uh, about the state of of where Worlds Collide has kind of put us. And that's been, that's just been really fun. It's been in energizing me for the game. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I'm super interested to see what comes into the top 16. I haven't been able to watch the stream today. But yeah, it'll be super interesting to see what kind of meta calls people made, knowing that they might run into some dinos, or if they are bringing dinos, what kind of dino list they found. I think dinos are kind of like the feared menace right now, but I'm not sure they're as tough as everybody makes them out to be. I think they're really good and sealed because they're just they have so many high impactful cards. But I think Archon wise, I think they're manageable. I don't think they're as big of a fear as I think the growing trend is out there. They're definitely not what I fear, but um, I know that a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah, no. Like like you said, with the Cincinnati Rex, I have two Cincinnati Rex decks. Neither one is amazing. One of them does have the dream of having Exile and Tertiate, the turn that you go off with your Cincinnati Rex, and you know you exile Cincinnati Rex with like 11 or 12 Amber on it to your opponent, and then Tertiate it, which is super fun. And it's happened like <laughs> one time in like That's 14 awesome. games. So yeah, it's not super reliable. Like you still like a lot of the dino combos require yeah. three, three cards to be in your hand for them to come together. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you're still going to need a good deck around those kinds of combos to make them do anything. And for archiving sure. is super important. I've got a little bit of archiving. I've got a hide and a vellum, but that still doesn't quite get me there. Most games just very draw centric, draw reliant. But yeah. Uh, so my inspiration <laughs> Like D inspiration, I don't know. So I opened another box of Worlds Collide today. Thank you, at Scrowner, the Martian of generosity, for sending a box of Worlds Collide my way for the community team. So those are up on the community team DOK profile, so you can go check those out. And yeah, we opened some cool decks, but I didn't like open anything that like I was like super wowed by or like oh my goodness, I can't wait to like take this out. <clears throat> so I think I'm coming around to the side of, I mean, I think I'm just going straight secondary market now, like. I could I could spend another ninety dollars on another box and hope to pull something better, or I could spend ninety dollars on like kind of the upper tier to top tier kind of deck that I'm going to really enjoy playing, and I think that's almost just better value in the long term. Yeah, it's easy. To, I mean, it's easy to forget how rare some of these things actually are. Like you know, uh, Lady Caffeina posted in the Discord the other day because uh, I was. I was talking about uh, how one of my new decks has a lot of archiving, and I was like, oh, it's going to... But if I get hit with the Sania, you know, that's a bummer. Uh, and she's like, that's in, like, 2.45% of decks. And I was like, okay, that's actually, like... It's kind of crazy. I, I just hadn't, I hadn't, like, thought about it in a while, but it's like, man, Desania is not a common card at all. No. Um, not, it's around, because people really like Logos, but... Um, it's it's interesting to think about. So if it's like if you're looking for particular things or there's particular things that excite you, I think the secondary market is the way to go because um, you're just the the likelihood of you opening the exact thing that you want is just so low. Yeah, no, it's it's super tough. Yeah, so I've opened two boxes, and I think my, my best my best box was my target <laughs> target pre order <laughs> that has the deck that has performed the best. And just, I really enjoy playing. So yeah, sometimes you do get lucky and you pull that one and it feels real good. But out of the other two boxes, yeah, I don't know. I, I pulled one that's really highly rated, 
but I don't know. It just hasn't really been coming together. It's like an 80, 80 SAS rated deck. I probably shouldn't give away too much in case I try to sell it. <laughs> Buy it. No. Won't, won't tell the name. Won't name. Octa Ward. Secrets. Um, dang it. No. I don't know. I'm going to keep testing it. I don't, maybe I'm not playing it correctly. It could be a very true statement, but yeah, it's been rough. It's been real rough, but it did take one game against Alex's unstoppable Italian Data Forge deck. So a rare feat. I love that deck. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so today's main topic, we're going to, um, so we lost Jake. So we're just going to go, we're going to go over Worlds Collide's win rates on some of the cards and just kind of see what cards so far, like we're super early into the set. So these numbers will fluctuate rapidly as we go, but let's just see the beginning of this meta. Um, we're going to be using the Dexa Keyforge uh, card page. So thank you, Nathan, for this great site that pulls together these win rates. It's very cool. It's very interesting to see what is uh, kind of working really well right now. I'm guessing most of this is going to come from sealed events. Most of these games played are from sealed events since um, Archon hasn't been super live yet. But, but yeah, so that's going to be our main topic today. We're going to try to, um, I don't know if it'll be a one episode thing. It might be a split episode thing. But first off, let's just start with the top four cards. Alex, you probably already looked at this. But uh, have you looked at it just all together? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have it pulled up right, right now. Unfortunate. <laughs> All right, so everybody out there, say what house you think is going to be the top two cards. We're waiting. Well, you're right. It's dinosaurs. And if you didn't say dinosaurs, you should have said dinosaurs. All right, so the top two cards so far, right now, per Dex of Keyforge win rates, is a tie at the dinos with Spartasaur, a six-power, one-armor dinosaur soldier, Saurian, after a friendly creature is destroyed, destroy each non-dinosaur creature. It also has fight, gain two amber. Have you played any Spartasaur in your early days of Worlds Collide, Alex? Um, I have played against Spartasaur, I think, more than I've played with Spartasaur. I don't think that I own any decks that have him, but I've definitely played some decks... It's a really interesting card, and I'm actually fairly surprised by this win rate, to be honest. Um, and maybe maybe people just don't know how to play against it, but man, it seems man, I have I have used Spartasaur to my advantage multiple <laughs> times, um, and it just kind of I mean, it just kind of can be put you in a we real weird spot. It's definitely a good card, though. A lot of times you don't care about the disadvantage, which is the nice part of Spartasaur. Yeah, so what he's kind of talking about there. So, I mean, the after a friendly creature is destroyed, destroy each non-dinosaur creature. So the best case scenario for this guy is you have a grip full of dinos and not much else on board. So then you drop all of your dinosaurs, and now you pretty much have a one-sided board wipe. So if your opponent tries to kill any of your other dudes, or if you had a ready dino that you can run into something and kill, just anything like that where you can just one-sided board wipe and just be left with only your dinos on the board, you're in a pretty good spot. Like, that's a pretty cool one-sided board wipe where it can really work against you. Say you have a big board of Star Alliance and you drop this guy. Um, now your opponent just has to kill one of your Star Alliance dudes to kill all of your Star Alliance dudes. 
So it's so it's something you have to really work to make sure the board is ready for your own Spartasaur. And the fight gain too is just so good. <laughs> yeah. That one's, that one's like the best part. A 6-1, so like you can probably hit and kill something that you want to kill. And then you This card probably would have been good without the fight gain too. So that's like it would be a good card even without the fight ability, but it's so good with the yeah, fight ability. So that really pushes it over top. So that's Spartasaur. So that's number one at a fifty six point four percent win rate. And tied with it was our man that we were talking about just a second ago, Mr. Cincinnatus Rex. Uh, six power, four armor. If there are no enemy creatures, destroy Cincinnatus Rex. He has the fight triggering. You may exalt Cincinnatus Rex. If you do, ready each other friendly card. And notice it says friendly card. It doesn't say friendly creature. So that hits all of your artifacts as well. So like I said, I've got two of these decks. He's super good, but he also turns into a super big dino pinata if you don't have a way to use the amber that you're stacking up on him. Because, I mean, the golden spiral is kind of the combo right now where you drop him, golden spiral, swing at something, kill it, exalt him. That readies your golden spiral, readies all of your other friendly cards. So if you have a couple other dinos out, then you're re-reaping with those guys or using their effects again. And you just you can loop it till you hit rule of six or until you've destroyed all of your opponent's creatures. You don't really want to destroy all of your opponent's creatures because I've had that happen against me. or And I've also been the culprit. I've done it to you where I killed my opponent's last creature. And then my Cincinnati Rex dies with like eight amber on it. And you're like, oops. <laughs> oops. <laughs> that all goes over to my opponent. So I mean, for him, like having like a library of Polyosaurus would be really good. So you can at least mitigate a little bit of that. Kind of helps you boost. Having an Imperial Scudum to put on him would be amazing. Like, that'd be so nuts. Get him up to five armor. Or no, six armor. Just go all the way. Six Tempered Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> six Tempered. And you just, yep. Yep, yeah. you just take all the amber off of him. Yep, and destroy him when you're done comboing for the one turn. So I mean, there's definitely ways that yeah, you can get out of hand like that. But I mean, that's still leaving you with a pile of amber or leaving your opponent with the potential for a huge dino pinata, which is my new favorite term for Saurians. The dino pinatas. Because if uh, if your opponent can't if if you're over exalting your dinos and you don't have a way to use that amber, they they do become just amber pinatas, which is super fun. Oh yeah, but yeah, he's tied for the top spot out of all worlds collide cards that are being played right now. Both these cards have seen about 830 games played, and they've won 640 of them. So it's a pretty good rate. I think that's how that reads, right? Yeah, yeah. Spartasaur has slightly more games um, and slightly more wins, but turns out to be about the same the the same win rate. Yeah, math. Yeah, I don't know. Math is hard. Um, so number two, number three, and four um, are from how the house that I think is probably the most consistently best house in Worlds Collide, and that would be our good buddies, the Logos House. So coming in at 56.2% with uh, about 740 games played is Mimic Gel. Mimic Gel is a zero-power Logos creature. Mimic Gel cannot be played unless there's another creature in play. Mimic Gel enters play as a copy of another creature in play, except it belongs to House Logos. God, this guy's good. He's so good. Have you played with any Mimic Gels, Alex? Oh, yeah. I love Mimic Gel. Um, I don't... I, I think I've played like just some like seal random sealed games where Mimic Gel is. I think I have one deck that is Mimic Gel. He's nice because and he does what Logos is good at. He provides flexibility, right? Like he can be 
what you need him to be at the time you need him to be. So it's, I think that's probably why you see he has such a high, he has such a high win rate or like, you know, decks that have him, he just provides, you know, if you, do you need a big creature? You can throw, you can even make mimic gel a big dude. Do you need archiving? Do you need Amber control? Mimic gel is all of those things. That's why, that's why mimicry is so good. Um, and I think Mimic Gel is a little bit a little bit worse than Mimicry, but I don't think much worse. Yeah, I mean, it has to be a creature on board, but it can be your creatures or your opponent's creatures, which really gives them that added flexibility. So if you need if you need that Gargantodon to protect your big pile of amber that you just six tempered off of your Tyrannus, <laughs> your Cincinnati Rex, let's build an adventure here. You copy your opponent's Gargantodon, so now they have to take care of your Mimic Gel, which is a Gargantodon, and making your Amber, less stealable, just, you know, whatever you need. I, I've seen him played as a Ronnie a lot. <laughs> Wonder why. Um, <laughs> That's if, I, if you play a lot of Ronnie decks, people tend to mimic gel your Ronnies to, you know, turn about it. So, yeah, mimic gel, really, really good card, great creature. Um, yeah, he's just so flexible. And... The not perceived best leader in the set, but the one that's got the best winning percentage. Zenzi Zenzenzenzik. The Logos leader, cyborg leader, four power, two armor. During your draw card step, if Zenzi is in the center of your battle line, refill your hand to two additional cards. So yeah, turn one play, Zenzi is actually better than Mother. Oh. <laughs> it's the super mother. It's broken. You draw eight cards. <laughs> so yeah, if you're going first, you're at seven cards, or you mulligan to six, and you go to five, and then you start your second turn with eight. I mean, I don't know if you know the math on this, but eight into 36 doesn't take you a lot of turns to get through your deck. Card's nuts, man. I, I like... So I, it, it's balanced because of the center mechanic, but man, it's so strong. And it's like... It's relatively hard to deal with. A four with two armor is pretty tough. We already saw, too, how Mother kind of made a late surge in Coda era as being like a really, really, really good card because just the five power was hard to deal with. Now you got four two armor, so it's technically one more damage that's needed to get rid of it. And then you're in a set with a Hologramophone for Zenzi, so it all of a sudden becomes a warded four two. becomes really hard to deal with. Yeah. It can get it can get warded. Uh, Zenzi can be really really tough. Uh, does, doesn't Ma does Mania Scourge have Zenzi? Yes. <laughs> I've got a, why another reason I hate. <laughs> I've got a few. I've got actually quite a few decks with Zenzi. Somehow I pulled a lot of Zenzis. I think I have like three or four. And yeah, pretty much any time he sticks Zenzi and he sticks around for a couple of turns, he she I'm not sure the artificial AI cyborg leader. It. it um. Yeah, it just feels it feels so good. It's like it's everybody knows my my love for Martian generosity, and it's like your Martian generosity every turn. <laughs> like you just have eight cards in hand. Like your every turn you have thereafter just feels so good with that many cards in hand. All right, so that's the top four cards. There are those are the only fifty six percenters. Um, we have one Coda card. Cracking the top 10. A couple. Let's see here. We got two. Have you scrolled down yet? No. Okay. Try to guess the two Coda cards that are in the top 10. Uh, let's see. These are see. based on even their Coda games. Like These aren't just 
sorted out by Worlds Collide decks. So traditionally strong. I want to feel like I want to feel like maybe Poltergeist and Mimicry. Wrong and wrong. Oh, Let's see here, so wrong. Much, oh, oh, yep. I should too much to protect and Nature's Call. Turns out Nature's Call is still very, 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 very good. <laughs> Still so good. Oh, so good. Again, yeah. kind of. These these should have been obvious. Yeah, like too much protect's just been good for so long. Um, I don't know. Like it, it actually like if you have the deck that's got the universal key lock, or if you have the evil eye, or if you have the ed eyes, and like you can really make too much protect do some work. There's definitely some ways to increase key cost that can set up a really nice too much to protect. Sensor Chief Garcia. Like there's just so many ways. Mustic Mer Mustic Mermook. Just so many different ways right now to increase key costs. So yeah, too much protect if you're lucky enough to pull it in a Shadow's House that's not terrible, along with, say, like Logos and Star Alliance that has the key cost increasers. Yeah, you can make it really painful for your opponent. And then, yeah, Nature's Call. So the Amber Pip return up to three creatures to their owner's hands. Turns out if you're trying to build dino pinatas or if you're exalting dinos and you just bounce them back to your opponent's hand, it feels pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, Nature's Call is really good against Imperial Scutum. Yeah, yeah, because that, that card, yeah, people all of a sudden, yeah, so good, so good. I uh, may have procured a triple Lost in the Woods deck <laughs> with the thought that it could just wreck Dinos because it doesn't care about those upgrades when you're just shuffling them back in and not allowing them to have the destroyed trigger. So that's the play there. So Nature's Call would bounce the creature. It would make the upgrade just go to the discard so scutum doesn't work so if they've got that creature that's sitting there with like six amber and they thought they were safe because of their scutum you can hit them with the nature's call or the lost in the woods the fear the hysteria all these different bounce effects lights out all these bounce effects cards became real strong in this meta where there's a little bit more amber being worn by creatures <clears throat> yeah that's kind of the top 10 um ed is up in there too not a surprise Eye is a really good card. It's a logos. Were there any cards that you th you thought would be in the top ten that weren't? Um, kind of surprised. Six Semper's not in there. Six Semper Tyrannosaurus. That seems like a really good Dino card that just allows some silly things. Uh, Captain Val is just on the outside. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Yeah, she's eleven. Like she's really good. Like that is a turn one play is also really gross. You play her turn one, you get to play an additional card if you're the first player. And yeah, it's just off to the races. You don't even have to call Star Alliance at that point to use her ability. That's why she's amazing. Um, so she's a five power one armor with a 54.8% win rate. Uh, during your turn, if Captain Val Jericho is in the center of your battle line, you may play one card that is not of the active house. So when you can literally call untamed and then still play a star alliance card that turn or you can call untamed and then play a shadows card that turn as long as she's sitting in the center you are playing an additional card out of house so good and no restriction no yeah. restriction i mean card either. Val, like kirby yeah action val and zenzi are both it's just it's a phase shift that sits in the middle of the board at five one but okay let's do Let's go. Let's go to some houses. Let's start with I think what everybody kind of. Let's start with the new houses. So we kind of did Sarians. Kind of talked about the top two. 
Um, so we've got Spartasaurus and Cincinnatus Rex, both at 56.4% win rates, which is pretty, pretty solid. Like I'm super surprised, especially, yeah, like you said, Spartasaur. I think you can really misplay into that one or misplay while playing it. And so it's pretty amazing that people have either figured it out really quickly or just pulled some really awesome dino decks that that guy's just a common thread in. Um, Primus Ungus. So yeah, I've definitely misplayed into this guy. So this guy, <laughs> I think like... I think this is a prime example of a card that's win rate might come down in the future as people get more used to playing against it. So Primus Ungus sure. is a 5 power, 1 amber. Each friendly creature gets plus 2 power for each amber on Primus Ungus. Reap, Exalt, Primus Ungus. So what this guy does is he gives your entire battle line. He's a Panpaka that doesn't have to be on one side or the other, and he boosts everyone's power based on how much amber is sitting on him. So yeah, I have made that mistake on TCO where I've swung into something fully expecting it to die, my guy to live, and my guy gets wrecked, <laughs> and they got dude sitting there. I'm like, wait, how did that just work? And then you see the price. You can always tell when it happens on TCO because the, the the it just goes blank for like a <laughs> minute while the person's just like, like oh. every card in the battle line trying to figure out what just happened. Yeah. What just happened? <laughs> yeah, so that's one you got to look out for. If he hits the table, he is a rare, so it's it, again, it's not something you're going to see a whole lot. But, um, yeah, if he's wearing Amber, then you've just got to keep in mind that everybody everybody around him is now plus two power for each Amber on him. So, yeah, the good news is, I mean, you can't exalt him super quickly. I guess if you have, like, Golden Spiral, you can get him up to two Amber on the turn he comes in. So that's plus four. Power. Yeah, you need some, you need some, like, helpers probably to make him really over the top. But he's, I mean, even just, even just you know, getting him to fire once is pretty good. Um, but I mean, honestly, he's a five with one armor, so he's probably going to stick around a little while. Um, yep. Yep. And then, yeah, he's dodging axioms because of his, is he just hoping for those harbingers and those hysterias to pop him up there. All right. So the next card also at 55.7% is tertiate. This is a dino action card with an amber pip. Play, destroy one-third of all enemy creatures and one-third of all friendly creatures, rounding up each time. And we've had a discussion in our Discord about this, and the easiest way to do it is just to make a group of three creatures, choose one, make a group of three creatures. So if your opponent has four creatures, you're killing two of them. If they have five, you're killing two of them. If they have six, you're killing two of them. If they have seven, you're killing three of them. Like, that just makes the most sense to me, too. Like, without having to actually do math in your head, you can just visualize groups of three. So yeah, this card's really good. That's smart. It's super targeted removal. Like we just kind of said, you're probably getting two most of the time, but you're getting two targeted creatures to remove off your opponent's board. You're getting rid of your worst, you know, one to two, and your opponent's best one to two, um, or maybe in some cases you're getting rid of none of yours <laughs> and. Yeah, that's pretty hard to pull. I mean, you'd have to have an empty board, and at that point, you're just hoping yeah. for a red alert. But <laughs> yeah, oh man. But no, two sheets cool. I've I really enjoyed this one. Like like I said, it's just targeted removal. Two of theirs, probably two of yours, maybe one of yours. They have a ward, and you've got a dino out. You can pop that ward first with your dino to reduce the number of creatures. Like if you're at four, you can you know run that dino into something, so you're down to three, so you're only losing one dude instead of two dudes. I guess you still lose two dudes, but you get rid of the guy you want to get rid of. There's just some flex. I wonder if it's the I wonder if it's the lack of chains that pushes this one over Axiom. 
Well, um, I think there's just so much, there's so much capturing that Axiom can sometimes get stifled. Yeah. All right. Let's go. I'll try to kind of pick it up a little bit. So we got City Gates as a 55, 54.5% win rate card. This is a Saurian artifact. Action, a friendly creature captures one amber. If that creature is a dinosaur, it captures two amber instead. Super good. <laughs> Super good. Just make sure that the dino you select is actually a dino and not a Saurian beast. <laughs> Pterodactyl. See, it's really interesting. I'm really like I'm really interested about these win rates of like some of these cards I don't love. Like I don't love City Gates. Um and I don't I don't particularly love Tertiate. Um but I'm like I don't know. I, I'm like trying to figure out like what about these cards is because like City Gates is basically let's think of think about it this way. It's basically skeleton key with a benefit of like when you have Saurians out, it's better. It's a better skeleton key. Um, and at least, I mean, I will say skeleton key in Saurians who can make use of captured amber or exalted amber is a lot better. Yep. But it's still, I don't know, just seems fine. Um, doesn't seem like anything over the top to me. Yeah, I mean, you just look at this guy and the guy that we just talked about, Primus Ungus. All of a sudden, Primus Ungus is giving your entire board plus four power. <clears throat> the tourney comes in if you've got the city yeah. gates ready, or you've got the yeah. Senator Strixes out there that can use that amber then. <clears throat> you've got Brockus that can use amber, captured amber. There's just so many ways in Saurians to make use of that captured amber, and the fact that it's not exalted amber, that people are finding decks with city gates that have the synergies to use city gates really well, that just makes it that much more over the top. Yeah, I could see that for sure. For sure, you're 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 taking down some of the risk of what is typically exalting on dinos because it's typically free amber yeah. that you're pulling from the common pool. Now you're actually capturing your opponent's amber, so you don't feel as bad if they kill that dino pinata because most of that. Yeah, you didn't give you didn't give them amber that wasn't theirs to begin with already. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going down. Really quickly, I think we'll try to hit the next three and move on. Uh, Philophosaurus, love this guy. Love this guy, love this guy, love this guy. Four-powered dinosaur philosopher. Reap, you may look at the top three cards of your deck. Archive one, add one to your hand, and discard one. Oh, so good. Yeah, that card's insane. Yeah, so my really good deck has two of these and an Orator Hasero, which allows you to use them right away, and a whole bunch of Titan Guardians to, like, protect them so hypothetically if you get this guy on board you're just cycling through six cards a turn and just blowing through your deck so fast and just i mean that deck also has ed eye so those cards i'm throwing into archive are building up my ed eye for when i draw that just, yeah it's just ah, so good so very good <laughs> i mean there's there's just no world in which getting to <laughs> Uh, get three cards isn't uh, you know even though one of them is being discarded it's just like the yeah. ability to draw one draw one archive one and discard one is it's so repeatable sloppy lab work except for you're getting to add yeah. one to your hand as well so that you can actually play yeah. one um yeah so this has a 54.1 percent win rate with oh jeez <laughs> 2436 games played <laughs> Yeah, that just kind of goes to show you like all these other dinos are like 700, 800 games played. 
yeah he's an uncommon i think this is our first uncommon so that's why he's got more games played and so yeah a lot of these probably rares will probably come down as they're played more but the fact they're rare there's less games played so that probably affects their win rate quite a bit um yeah and the next two have six thousand games played so we'll just do them really really quick here so we've got tribute a amber pip action card play the most powerful friendly creature captures two amber you may exalt that creature to repeat the preceding effect. Yeah, it's a big swing. You can potentially turn any creature on your battle line into a charrette. Tribute is a huge, I mean, it's a huge swing. It's a huge enabler of a lot of strategies. I think I think of Tribute as like some of one of the glue cards of Saurian. I think like the most competitive, I think that the most, com- a lot of the most competitive decks uh, that are sorry and will probably include a copy of tribute it is a common, so um, it's very likely yeah and it's very likely and you're gonna you're just gonna see it a lot and it is such uh i mean being able to pull four amber off your opponent is a very there's i mean before in coda what the i think the biggest swing card like that was like maybe like burn the stockpiles or too much to protect yeah um, that could take that much amber from somebody. And that was only if there was like burn the stockpile and too much protection required your opponent to be way over six. Like your yeah. opponent can't be at six. Very situational. Yeah, and you can just pull them down to two amber. And then you have things like the Calipigian Ideal, the upgrade that exalts the creature that's wearing it, and then that creature can use that amber to forge keys. So I mean that I've used that to close out a couple games where you drop the Calipigian Ideal on your biggest creature on the board and tribute it a couple of times. Just ask your opponent, can you kill this creature next turn or not? No, I win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So dirty. Whatever creature it is. It is a terrible feeling when when somebody like tributes, you know, Capoeira Ideal or Shrix or something and you can't deal with it. You're just like, ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> One of my silly reassembling automaton decks I've gotten. I, I've. Got an alert set, so I picked up a couple of reassembling automaton, golden spiral, Calipigian ideal decks. <laughs> one of them has tribute, and one time I actually did live the dream, and I only had the automaton out at the time, and so I was able to tribute the Calipigian ideal <laughs> reassembling automaton, <laughs> and then drop a few dinos and be like, "Yeah, is this good enough?" There's like eight amber on this dude, and there's like four dinos out alongside, or like two dinos, three dinos. So you got to kill all the dinos kill. and then kill, <laughs> kill the automaton. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, fun. so fun. Frau Aetheris. She's a good one. Um, and the last card we'll talk about is Phalanx Strike. Another common Saurian card. God, these commons and Saurian are so good. No wonder, no wonder, like, looking through this list, like, seeing these commons, these common actions in Saurian, it's like, no, it's no surprise they've been doing well in Sealed. Like, these actions at common. So Phalanx Strike is in Amber Pip, uh, play, choose a creature, deal one amber, or <laughs> one amber, deal one damage to it for each friendly creature. You may exalt a friendly creature to repeat the preceding effect. I mean, even at three creatures, you can like shoot off two of your opponent's three powered creatures or one of their six powered creatures, yeah. or you fire off a ward and then kill something that they were trying to protect, like their Ed Eye that was making your keys cost a million. Like, there's just, ah, oh, so good. So very good. It's. It's a double clo- it's a double cooperative hunting. Cooperative hunting was not a terrible card, but they were like, hey, you know, what if you just got to cooperative hunting twice in the same turn at the cost pit. of an exalt? And you don't get a chain for yeah. it. And an amber. <laughs> and you don't get a chain for it. That's well, uh, well, 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 cooperative hunting didn't have a chain. 
Uh, so honorable mention, the next like four, we have Tresarian Legionary, Crassiosaurus. Crassiosaurus is pretty fun. Uh, this is the capture 10 from any combination of players. Then if Crassiosaurus has fewer than 10, purge Crassiosaurus. That's a way to pull your opponent off. Like that guy's been doing some things with Six Semper, I think. Just other things were exiling him to your opponent, capturing 10 Amber from both people, then giving it to your opponent so that you get the 10 Amber back. Super fun. And the last two, Thero Centurion, 6-1, play fight, capture one. Yeah, super good. Super sticky. And Saurus Rex, the dino leader at a 53% win rate. Who, If he's in the center, he gets Fighter Reap, and you can search your deck for a Saurian card, reveal it, add it to your hand, then shuffle your deck. Which is really good, since we've just shown how good the Saurian combo card, like, common cards are, and how they yeah. can kind of combo together. Yeah. So when you're able to build that combo through your leader pretty good that guy has to go he comes out yeah so saurians what do you like we both kind of said that we're not super afraid of them in archon why are you not afraid of the dinos in archon alex i mean in archon you have a lot more removal turns removal tools right usually i mean i I, at least that's what i look for in archon decks i don't know about everybody but um so Saurians are interesting because they put, they they do this thing where they can definitely they have a almost like untamed quality where like you know in Coda Untamed you could like draw a bunch of hunting witches and like witch eye and like a bunch of your untamed cards early and that might be enough to like just push you through the game like you might just win off of having a hand of six untamed creatures I think the same is true of Saurian you might just win a lot of games with Sarian just because, hey, I drew six, I drew Cincinnatus Rex, Golden Spiral, and four, you know, four Sarian creatures on turn two. And I just am going to reap for, you know, seven or eight Amber or whatever, you know, a, a buttload of Amber every single turn until I win in three turns. Um, and so I think that the reason I don't fear Sarians though is because most of the time that doesn't happen. And most of the time, they, unless that, and most of the decks that I've been playing are not the most powerful versions of these, I think that might get found eventually. Where it's like, you're going to need, because you need what what you need with a combo shell, you know, is something to support it. You're going to need houses around Saurian that either enable archiving or enable card draw so that you can have the, pull all those pieces together and pull off the combos. Um, Because like I said, Tribute is an amazing card, right? You steal four Amber, but if your opponent is just going to kill the creature and take it back next turn, it it was essentially just a Miasma that gave your opponent an extra Amber. And so that's where if I'm, when I'm looking at Saurian list, I'm always looking for at least a Scudum, but hopefully something more like Brachus or Capilegian ideal or Shrix that can actually capitalize off the captured Amber um, and can like turn it into that thing that you said of like, I'm going to stick this, you got to deal with it this turn, or I'm taking all that Amber and using it to forge my key. No, definitely. No, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like if you're expecting like a heavy dino meta, there's so many, like we were just saying, there's so many bounce effects, fear, hysteria, lost in the woods, nature's call. Um, I mean, just traditional gateway to discs, like just blow up the world. Um, there's just so many ways yeah. you can remove them that they have to have their their certain number of cards to to pull it off. 
I mean, those decks probably will be found. Like, there's going to be a, probably a, there's going to be more than a few good Logos Sarian decks because Logos and Worlds Collide is just so good, so very good. I'm really, really liking Logos. So you're going to find that deck where they can pull those pieces together a little more consistently, but at the same time, they still have to have them in hand at the right time, and they're still kind of combo oriented in a weird way. Not quite to the like, yeah. Not quite to like Coda Mars. Like they're a little more consistent than that. They don't require as much in-house stuff. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not super fearful of the Dino Overlords at this point. No, they're definitely not the house that I feel is. Um, I feel like as they like, especially between sets, um, like. I don't think that they're the house that is bringing the most to the table um, in terms of threat level, even though that a lot of people, they are the ones that get talked about a lot. They have a lot of flashy effects, yes. for sure. Yes, definitely. I think somebody put it on Twitter. There's kind of a discussion whether there's any cards being nerfed by one at Scuzzy Gruen of the Help from Future Self. And I think one of the things that was just kind of highlighted is there's a lot of feel-bad moments potentially with Saurians. Yes. So maybe that's a thing. It's just kind of psychological. You got hit by that tribute six semper. It felt real bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it it does. And I, I would I would agree. I would I would really agree with that. I think that Saurians do have a huge like psychological toll when you lose to them because, you know, a lot of the times the things that they're doing are so when it when it happens, you know, that one in twenty games miracle thing um it's just like well that sucked <laughs> all right let's go to the other new house let's get star alliance this one's gonna go a little bit faster because these are weird i'm not exactly sure i think this is just low games played so things are weird with star alliance so we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time with star alliance so the number one card according to this at a 55.3 percent win rate with 600 games played is garcia's blaster so this creature gains Fight Reap. You may deal two damage to a creature or attach uh, Garcia's Blaster to Sensor Chief Garcia. After you attach Garcia's Blaster to Sensor Chief Garcia, steal one. It's like the steal one's really nice. Um, we still need clarification, like full FFG clarification, whether or not you can bounce a Garcia Blaster within multiple Garcias. If you can bounce within multiple Garcias, then yeah, that's pretty silly. Like you can steal, you know, potentially two to three Amber a turn just by bouncing it, which seems really good. Um, yeah, it, 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 how good this one is really is super dependent on that. If you can bounce it between Garcias, it's amazing. If you can't bounce it between Garcias, it's it's good, but yeah, it's not it's like fine. It's good to turn OMG. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so that remains to be seen. That one's the highest win rate with 600 games. Like I said, it's kind of weird, but I think right now TCO is set up to allow bouncing. That's where the consensus is across most of the internet at this point until we get official clarification. So bounce it away while you can. Um, this one is one I would kind of expect. So Captain Val Jericho, like we said, was number 11 overall, 54.8% win rate. Again, just, I mean, she's, she's a phase shift that allows you to play a house card that you didn't call that turn, which is so good. Just so good. If you land it turn one, two, it's just playing an extra card a turn from a house. Like just playing the best possible card outside of the house that you're actually calling feels great. All yeah. right. Disruption Field, a rare card with 640 games played at 54.5%. So your opponent's keys cost plus one. It comes with an Amber Pip and it's an upgrade. 
Your opponent's keys cost plus one for each disruption counter on disruption field. This creature gains fight reap, put a disruption counter on disruption field. Stellar. Just solid. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it comes with an amber pip. You get some amber, uh, some amber disruption, and you know you just get you get it you get uh, an advantage for doing what you want to do anyways, which is uh, usually probably reap, but sometimes fight. So here's a question: Do you have any disruption counters? <laughs> no, I think every time I've played, I've used this card. I just like use like damage tokens as counters. I mean, I don't. Yeah. We're getting to the point already where that's a whole nother conversation where there's too many there's too many counters. <laughs> that is yeah, a disruption counter. Like I have to figure that out. I have a deck. Maybe if I had a deck that I loved and I played all the yeah, time yeah. that had disruption fields. Right, this one I'm kinda of surprised about. So we have Galactic Senses. Again, I think these are just rares. I think these rares are just higher because they have less games played. So if they're actually being played, they're probably in a good deck since it's kinda of early on. Yeah. So Galactic Census it's an action card, comes with an Amber Pip. There are exactly three or exactly four houses represented among creatures in play. Creatures being the important part, gain one. There are exactly five, gain two. If there are six or more, gain three Amber. So if your opponent has this in, your, in their list and you have ex experimental therapy, don't play your experimental <laughs> therapy. Yeah, don't play <laughs> that. Like the three markets where it's like harder to pull off, I feel. Yeah. I mean, but there's less. So there's less amber pips in uh in world's glide i could see i can see a world where this is a good card based solely on it's one of the it's one of the bet it's one of the only like really amber burst cards um that exist in world's glide like there aren't very many of these yeah. that just give you straight up just give you amber for you know for just a, a marginal yeah. uh like, requirement nice here is if it gets infernist you're only losing one amber <laughs> Yeah. There's only one Amber Pip actually on it, so um but most of the time you're getting two Amber for it. So I guess it's not bad. Like you play an action card and you get two Amber, yeah. like you don't feel terrible about that, but it's not super yeah. exciting. It's just kind of a nice it doesn't do any it doesn't affect board, game state at all other than Amber just totals. Amber but, totals. Uh, yeah. Um Uncharted Lands. This is a rare artifact. This one is Place six amber from the common supply on uncharted lands. Each Star Alliance creature, and let's 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 re requalify that again. Each Star Alliance creature, not each friendly Star Alliance creature. Each Star Alliance creature gains reap. Move one amber from uncharted lands to your pool. So yeah, this one you have to be aware. If you're playing against somebody that also has Star Alliance and they have Star Alliance guys on board, don't play this card. <laughs> Discard it. <laughs> Because they can reap and become dew fairies on their next turn. Yeah, I think they were like, we want to, we want to print Crystal Hive in a in Star Alliance, but we're too scared to do that. So that that's why. Then so they made Uncharted Lands. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that's another rare. There's just so many rares. Where's our first common? There's a chance block. Uh, first information officer gray is sitting at 53.8 percent with 2000 games played uh four power play fight reap you may reveal a non-star alliance card from your hand if you do archive it so good um you're giving away a little bit of information i think we covered this before but you're giving a little little information away as to what's in your archives but i mean just archiving cards and getting to draw more cards at the end of your turn is pretty much always a good thing 
Yeah, um, I was just thinking. Sorry, I was thinking about. I, I screwed it down, and I was thinking about Com Officer Kirby too, who's the he's the next thing that's not a blaster. But he, I would, so I'm going to group Information Officer Gray and Com Officer Kirby together. They basically are doing the same thing in a different way. They're just they're acceler they're card acceleration cards, right? And that's why they're good. They're both good. Information Officer Gray, you don't really. I just always archive something I don't care about showing my opponent. I'm not going to. Sh- I'm not going to archive and reveal some like big swing card. Like if I have, if I had a tribute, I'm not going to information. I'll show it with information officer gray. Um, so you just always show something that like, it doesn't matter if your opponent knows it. Like if you have a galactic, a galactic census would be a great card to archive with him. You'd always play it, but you know uh, what I mean? So you just want to, you just show stuff with information so officer gray that you don't it's care. It's going to be a non-star land yeah. card. So you can't do your. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. Free markets, um, your bad free markets, your different free markets. Yeah. Market. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a bad free market. Bring back Sanctum. Yeah, <laughs> Sanctum, Sanctum for life. Um, so yeah, come off Kirby, great play fight reap, uh, non Star Alliance artifact upgrade your action card. So yeah, it just allows you to progress through your deck. Um, yeah, we've been seeing a lot of double and triple come off Kirby decks getting highly ranked for obvious reasons that they have good action cards in other houses and getting to play Star Alliance over and over again. Like. <laughs> Star Alliance is the stickiest house when you're actually playing with them because you want to call them over and over again because of their play fight reap abilities. That I think like you're like, but I can if I can reap for five right now and get two cards out of my hand. Why yeah. not? <laughs> no, I I think man, it's something I'm working on. Like I've got a few decks with Star Alliance and just trying to figure out what that pacing is to when you should like just stick in Star Alliance hard and do that, or you should just ignore them for a turn and advance your board and refresh your hand a little bit and i think it really depends on the deck too i think one of the decks i'm kind of struggling with the untamed is really bad in the deck so sometimes i just get stuck with a handful of untamed and i just don't want to call untamed <laughs> like i just don't want to call this house right now yeah this house like i just want to keep using star alliance because it does so much more than what these cards in my hands will do i was just gonna say he's doing he's one of my favorite cards in my uh my italian deck uh, that i've been playing a lot of just because he allows you to just do, he just sets up insane, like out of house broken combos. I've data forged on star Alliance turn a number of times with calm officer Kirby, which is pretty fun. Yeah. So like, yeah, Alex's deck also has science officer Morpheus, which where's he at? Oh yeah. He's gotta be on here. He's like way down here. He is, yeah, he's an uncommon, like 52. I think maybe too many people are trying to make bad science officer Morpheus decks work. <laughs> I think he just I think he just dies so yeah. much is probably I don't know or maybe maybe he he'd probably be terrible in a deck that doesn't have a lot of good play effects. Yeah. Like he's at a 52.5% which like these cards we're talking about right now are at like at 53%. So it's not like he's like yeah. way below. That's not garbage. No. Yeah. Um last card we'll cover for Star Alliance is Quintrino Flux. Love 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 this card. Uh action card Star Alliance Choose a friendly creature and an enemy creature. Destroy the chosen creatures, and each creature with the same power as either of the chosen creatures. This is standardized testing, and Dance of Doom got together and made a Quintrino Flux baby. <laughs> sort of. I guess not quite, because you have to choose a creature yeah. on the table, so it's not quite as flexible as Dance of Doom, but it's pretty darn flexible, and pretty much always comes out in your favor. Um, yeah, my best Worlds Collide deck that's been testing well against Worlds Collide and Coda, it's been testing really well against Coda, has double Contrino Flux 
double stealth mode and a red alert. And so it's just Star Alliance is just a big action house to just stifle your opponent from being able to do whatever they want to do. I hate this card. You've played it against <laughs> me so many times, and I just, it's so brutal every time. I'm just like, I don't, you, you can't, it's a weird card in that it's hard to play around it because you kind of, you have to play creatures and it's not really punishing to the person who plays it at all. Like you always just play it to your advantage and you know, it, it it's not like a lot. And I mean, that's what makes it so good though, is because it's mostly one sided. Yep. Um, and it's less, I would say it's less situational than red alert. Like oh, yeah. red alert requires your opponent to kind of, play into it. Quintrino Flux, you can just pull the trigger anytime and it's really fine. Yep. No, I, I've taken down a couple of your monster coda decks that I'd always struggled with before, like running my other coda and AOA decks into it. This deck just has a really good game against your generally warded deck because that deck has just wrecked me over and over again in the past. And I think I don't think I've lost to it yet with this deck just because double double Quintrino Flux with a lot of draw. Double Quintrino Flux. Yeah, it just Oh, so you have three grabber jammers and four two-powered guys. I will just get rid of all of them. It's a good card because it punishes you for running multiples of a creature, and and you usually want to run multiples of a particular of the good creatures. Yep. No, so I think that's it for Star Alliance. Star Alliance in general, how do you how do you feel going up against a Star Alliance deck? Star Alliance is so they're the they're the one of the scarier ones to me because the good lists can provide so much um, value to the to the houses around them, um, and like you said, they're a house that you can call four or five turns in a row and like just keep going to check off of them or while also still cycling your hand, yep. which is very scary sometimes like if somebody sticks three or four star alliance creatures and like you know there's a kirby and like an, a gray or like even something like cxo Tabor, which we didn't talk about but he lets you play a non-star alliance card or it's like suddenly that that board is very scary the player use part of that is really scary yes i lost my one my one triple ronnie deck my sealed event i lost the one game where they had Tabor, Val Jericho in the middle, and Legatus Raptor. And so it was just this oh, insane gosh. daisy chain every time every time it was their turn, and I had just no removal to get rid of it. So it was using his entire board, playing a couple cards out of his hand, like just everything. And I mean Star Alliance has all the things you want. They have good amber control, they've got good creature control, they've got great creatures. I mean they have some of the better artifacts, I think. Like, I mean, Transporter we could platform. devote half of a podcast. Yeah, Transporter Platform. We could, we could devote half of a podcast talking about Quixelstone oh, and how broken that card is in certain situations. Um, um, yeah, no, and I think, so I think the thing that people are discounting with Star Alliance, a lot of people are like, well, they're small creatures. They don't live very often. And that's true. Like, that can happen. They can just get wiped off the board pretty easily. I think the advantage they have over the dinos is they don't really have the exalt drawback. Um, yeah. So you're just never like, if you're using your star Alliance dudes, you're not having to exalt them to get these actions, to get these abilities. So if they do die, it's like, well, okay, they died. I'm, I'm moving on. It's fine. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, there's no punishment for them dying other than that. Your creature died. Yep. Right. 
Um, but the advantage of them living is just oh, is often so just as high as the Saurians. I'm just like scrolling through, there's so many play fight reaps. And if you get a science officer Morpheus, like, yeah. like Ingram, I'm surprised it's only at 51%. She is insane. Three powered play fight reap. You may heal three damage from a creature and ward it. Like you can just stick her and just keep your board all nice and healthy and warded up. So they're really hard to bring off the board. Um, I mean, I can't understand a world because all most of the Star Alliance creatures are play fight reap, right? So it's like saying helper bot's bad because it it's like you know helper bot is an amazing card and it only had a play. So now we have Com Officer Kirby who's a play fight reap, and so if you only get the play off the creature, it's still it's fine. Still like it's done. Yeah, it's done its job. And pretty much anybody that's not play fight reap is reap fight so like you don't get it the turn it comes in but then you still have that flexibility going forward and then you've got a few action ability creatures but yeah i i really like star alliance i think they're very strong they just the good lists are really good the okay lists are still pretty good <laughs> like yeah don't, you don't really roll a bad star alliance list that often you're usually pretty happy with what's sitting in your star alliance for the flexibility it gives but all right, we are almost at an hour. That was two houses, the top two new houses. Probably stop it there. Kind of went pretty in depth on a lot of that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you didn't, let us know and we won't do that again. Otherwise, we will probably plan on getting together again next week to uh, continue going through houses. I feel like Logos will be our next long dig through a house and then the rest of them might be a little bit quicker. Maybe Logos. Yeah, it's because we love it's because we love Logos, so we'll we'll talk about it a lot. <laughs> like that's the last one where I think it's a really high impact house and worlds collide. Right, right now my top three are definitely Logos, Star Alliance, Saurians, probably for houses for consistently good houses, good house lineups. I'd put Dis in the fourth spot. They can have some really good lineups. They can have some really bad lineups. And then the bottom, like so, maybe Dis and Untamed are kind of both there in that like four or five spot. Or like you can have. Yeah, untamed. Untamed can have some decent lists. I, I I've come around yeah. a little bit on them, but uh, no, they're growing on me. Like a, uh, they're unsuspectingly coming back into my mind a little bit here, preying on me. Yeah, because they can still do some bursty untamed stuff. They've got some nice amber control with the mustic remooks that increase key costs and do four damage when they come down. Super nice. You still have mimicry floating around there. Ghost hawk is really good for a deck if you have some nice reap effects in other houses. So you just kind of set up some two-turn combos or regrowthing a Ghost Hawk and playing a Song of the Wild to get to turn those creatures that you're reaping into Dew Fairies. Like, you can... It's got some burst again. Like, they didn't have a whole lot of burst in AOA, but it feels like they got some kind of sneaky burst back in stuff that you... Yeah, they they do. They have... They, they, they are... Uh... Like you said, it's surprising, kind of, right? Like, because you look at them and it doesn't seem like they would, they could, but it doesn't seem like they'd be able to burst as much as they can sometimes. They have some really sneaky stuff that I, I like a lot. Yeah, I'm very down on Brobnar and Shadows. Shadows, most of the time, is just going to be a clunker. Like, <laughs> I opened a box of I can't stand it. I, I when I open Shadows and Worlds Collide now, I'm I'm like sad. I'm like and I look for immediately. I'm like, does it have any Ronnies? It doesn't. No, okay, no sad. Ronnie, no hit and runs. <laughs> this 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 is this is bad. Yeah, I think I opened eight Shadows decks out of the double the Worlds Collide box that I had today, and I think like three or four of them didn't even actually have Amber Control in Shadows. <laughs> yeah, that was uh my. I played a sealed triad event, and all three of my decks had Shadows. 
and there was like one trust no one among the three <laughs> decks. So yeah, Shadows has gotten the boot. They've been slowly degraded over the last two sets. So who knows? Maybe they'll be on their way out in the next set, or maybe they'll just continue to go get worse. Like there's still good Shadows lineups out there. Don't don't get me wrong. They they do exist, but on average, like so bad. So very bad. And then yeah, Brobnar is dudes on the table that don't have the same abilities as similar and have drawbacks for reasons we're not sure why they have drawbacks. <laughs> uh, why? Poor Brobnar. Poor Brobnar. Yeah, that's kind of Worlds Collide. I guess my meta tier list at this point. Take it for what you may. Go build those decks. Not. <laughs> Go scour the secondary market for those. Go prove Dan yeah. wrong. Yeah. Show me those lists that are amazing. Like, I, I understand. There's amazing lists in Brobnar and Shadows. They do exist. They're just on average. Yeah. Not as... Not. As not. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. Thank you to everybody for tuning in again. Unbelievable. The download numbers recently. Can't thank you guys enough. I mean, who would, I, I didn't think we'd get here. Like, it was just something fun that me and this random dude from St. Louis decided we could probably partner together because I didn't have the time to podcast edit and... I don't know. It's just come together. So thank you, everybody. Thank you to the community team, the Sanctimonious Discord. You guys are amazing. And like I said, if this podcast ever blows up, that thing will live on. And I'm super proud and happy that it's there. And for all the new people that have been joining, we've eclipsed 600 members of the Discord now. So thank you, everybody, for hopping in there and being a part of the conversation. Alex, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on... uh my blog, uh, which we will post in the, the show notes. Uh, I apologize if you're a reader of my blog. I haven't actually posted anything in a yeah. while. I've been very busy with holidays, um, holiday stuff. So I'm hope I actually am in the fi- almost done with an article that I'll have out hopefully before, uh, before we go on Christmas break. And, uh, but, uh, we'll link that in the show notes. And other than that, you can find me on discord, uh, Sigmund's discord. I am the Nick of slots, hashtag six, four, one, eight. I love that you know your number. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me and Dan is someone on Twitter, Twitch. Um, I'm Sir Dan is someone in the Discord, but I think I'm just Dan is someone on Discord in general. I do not know my number, but you can find me. I don't. I don't hide. Very Gotta much. get up there. Um, my Twitch stream has actually shows a couple unboxing videos. In the first one, you can actually see my epic dad skills as I'm juggling two children and opening decks and the master vault app wasn't working that day. So I'm physically (laughs) typing them in, holding a bottle with a chin and entertaining a two and a half year old all at the same time as streaming. So, I mean, if that's not dad skill, parenting skills, streaming skills right there, I don't know. You the real MVP. (laughs) Oh, it was fun. Um, So yeah. So I put up a couple of those. It's just unboxing. Like I'm not super excited about them, but it was fun to, we opened two boxes of Coda on the first stream and the second stream, we did just a box of Worlds Collide, and I just did that earlier today, so that should still be out there on video on demand. And yeah, uh, also I want to say, if you ever see me on TCO, I'm Dan is someone on TCO. The password is always S. It is always S, just lowercase S. If you want to stop in, watch the game being played, I've always got hands set to being revealed as well. So yeah, stop in, watch me play. I play Alex, me and Alex play daily. Well, weekly, like week yep. daily. <laughs> yeah, we we play each other frequently. We play each other frequently. Our hands are always revealed. So if you want to come in, watch us jam our decks against each other, please feel free to do that. Password S. And yeah, 
uh, that'll be it for this week. Good luck, Jake, with your uh, finals there, brother. Uh, can't wait to get back Jake. on here. But yeah, if nobody has any objections to this format, we'll probably hit a couple more houses. I'm hoping we can do more than two houses next time. I believe in us. I believe in us, too. Archons of the Crucible. Worlds Collide has landed. Pax Unplugged has happened. Did dinos come out on top? Did the Star Alliance work together to overcome the dino overlords? Or did they work together? Or does Coda reign supreme? We will know when this show goes live. And remember, forge those keys. <laughs>